Alright, and welcome to the Rory's Nitro podcast, the show that rips up the buy rates and TV ratings and declares our own winner in some of pro wrestling's biggest head-to-head battles. I'm your host, Lee Carlos Cunningham, freshly landed back in Brisbane, Australia after my break in the UK, and back here for another bonus episode before we get the ball rolling on our timeline again. For today, we've got something a little bit different, and instead of going for two wrestling shows head-to-head, we're going to go to two live events that I have uh, been to recently, one of them being the UEFA Champions League game, Manchester City up against Celtic, and the other being NXT Live here on the Gold Coast last night. Rest assured, those of you that are dying to get the wrestling shows back head-to-head, I will be back here later in the week with Survivor Series up against World War III from 1995, so we are getting straight back into it. But before we do, just a couple of live experiences I've had in the last week, something I thought might make an interesting side episode here for everyone to listen to and catch back up. So without any further ado, what we'll do is go chronological and we'll go over to the Etihad Stadium in Manchester for the December 7 Champions League clash, Celtic coming down from Scotland to face off against Manchester City. Let's head there now. was played out in front of 52,000 fans at the Etihad, with Celtic bringing their full allotment of away support. Celtic played a pretty well full-strength 11. Sadly, no return for Colo Torre in his uh, time back here in Manchester, former City player, Uh, but they did have the big names on the field, Dembele, uh, Roberts, Rogic, etc. City made several changes from their defeat the previous week to Chelsea, bringing in youngsters Tosin and Mafio, as well as bringing in Kelechi Iheanacho, who will deputise for a Conaguero in his four game suspension coming up. The storyline of the match is that this is a little bit of a dead rubber. Manchester City have qualified, finishing in second place behind Barcelona in the group, and Celtic are doomed to finish last in the group, therefore not making it to the knockout stages of the Champion League, and also missing out on a place in the Europa League, which has gone to Borussia Mönchengladbach. A few little side points to, uh, to the match, some of which made it quite interesting. Last time out, Celtic were the first team this season to hold Manchester City to not uh, win a game with a 3-3 draw up in Glasgow. Patrick Roberts, playing for Celtic on the right wing, is actually a Manchester City player on loan in a strange... Uh, little ruling that you can play in Europe. You can play against your home club, whereas if he was on loan to a Premier League club, he would not be allowed to play against us. And Manchester City are coming off a bit of a collapse and a bit of a debacle to their game against Chelsea where they were one up with about half an hour to go and some poor defending and clinical clinical finishing from Chelsea saw us go down 3-1 and a pretty horrendous tackle by Aguero at the end of the game sparked a bit of a mass brawl which in the aftermath has left Manchester City short several players and Chelsea surprisingly got away with murder including Cesc Fabregas slapping Fernandinho on camera and not being suspended. If you're listening FA you're a fucking joke and I hate you. Um other points to the match as well. 
Brendan Rodgers' first match back in England since being sacked by Liverpool. Um, Well-deserved. He was a bit of a joke. No offence to any Liverpool fans, but oh, he's cringeworthy. Um, and they're both playing for a little bit of a pri- bit of pride in Europe. City's European form um, in the last six or seven years since becoming a European regular has been patchy at best. Um, they've been pretty poor at times and sort of above average is about the best they've aspired to bar one or two big games including one against Barcelona earlier this season. Uh, Another interesting tidbit about the match as well, there was a lot of security measures put in place to stop Celtic fans gaining access to the home end which me coming over from Australia actually gave me quite a bit of trouble getting into the match but did get there in the end Um, but all these measures amounted for nothing because it was about I would estimate 2,000 Celtic fans throughout the home end Uh, the security measures checked that everyone had tickets but did no further checking and people with Scottish accents in line were granted access without being asked any questions so really the whole thing was just a bit of a waste of time and a joke Um, but it is what it is Uh, The match got underway after the typical booing of the anthem of the Champions League, which you'll have heard back there in the intro. Uh, If you're not aware, Manchester City fans boo the Champions League anthem because of long-standing grudges against UEFA. Um, The main one is when they were a minute late back on the pitch in the second half against Porto and received a fine something like 40 times larger than the fine given to CSK Moscow fans, I believe it was, who racially abused Mario Balotelli, one of our strikers, the same season so there's some long-standing issues with UEFA um, the seeding of the Champions League and the constant changing of the format and the rules to help the big clubs or the traditional big clubs stay in it as well is a bit of a bugbear for City fans um, who have never really taken to the Champions League but since it's been 10 years since I went to a game I have to say I was pretty excited to go to a Champions League game for the first time Once the match got underway, uh, Patrick Roberts, of course, would have to be the focal point to begin with. Um, It was almost written in the stars, typical City, their player comes back to haunt them. He gets the ball on the right wing, he makes Gail Clichy look like a bit of a mug, turns him inside out with some good trickery, cuts in, there's three other defenders in his path, and he just cuts about three or four touches inside the box and drills it low past Willy Caballero for the opening goal. So, a twist of irony, Manchester City's own player opens the scoring against them. Um, Good run, though, and a lot of of sort of, I would say, good showing for Patrick Roberts, who is going to find it tough to come and break back into the Manchester City team since we've got this um, almost Arsenal and Liverpool-type reliance on attacking midfield players now, which is, as a football coach myself, always been a bit of a bugbear of mine. I think you do need out-and-out strikers. And if you're not familiar with City or football, the two years we've won the league in recent memory, we've had four top-quality strikers. Now we have one in Aguero and a youngster coming through in Iheanacho, and I, I do think we've left ourselves a bit short, and it'll probably cost us before the season ends. That being said, getting back to the match, one of those two strikers mentioned Iheanacho is coming in for Aguero, who's suspended, and it didn't take him long, about four minutes after Roberts opened the scoring to get us back level. A little bit of a midfield link-up uh, between Gundawa and Nolito, and Nolito looked up and split the defence with a beautiful pass to Iheanacho, who did still have a bit of, bit to do with two defenders trailing him, and he smashed it past the keeper up into the top corner to make it one all inside ten minutes, so a hot and heavy start here. The game, despite not having anything on the line, was end-to-end and quite entertaining, especially live. Our seats were about 10 rows behind the goal, um, so it made for good viewing. Um, Packed in audience as well, so it was a great atmosphere. Um, Not too long after the Iheanacho goal, he had a chance to put his up 2-1. When presented a chance on the edge of the box, a simpler chance than the one he scored, he sliced it high and wide, so didn't get the second goal there to go back ahead. 
Patrick Roberts also had an opportunity to be the star again, cutting in on Gail Clichy again and was denied a penalty. And I was right in front of the incident, and even as a diehard City fan, I thought we were quite lucky to escape giving away a penalty. Clichy got arms around him and pulled him back. It wasn't until I got home and saw the replay that I realised it probably was just outside the box anyway, but he was definitely lucky to get off without a foul. Um, Ian Archo again had an opportunity later on in the half to put us ahead when he had a little bit of invention with the defender hanging off him. He managed to get his leg back and sort of flick it around with the back heel, but the keeper got low and fingertip saved to stop it going in. Uh, Tommy Rogic had a chance early, but he blazed it high and wide as well himself. And that did it for the first half. That was about the most exciting of the action. Um, we'll have a little bit of a chat now about the the venue, the Etihad. Um, spiritual home of mine i've not been there for about 10 years and i was very excited to go back I, I took in two games and did the stadium tour again while i was over there took my wife for the first time who enjoyed it but this wasn't a banner moment for the eddie had this halftime break the champions league doesn't allow the serving of alcohol so straight away football's about half as fun if you can't have a beer while you're there um but as if that wasn't bad enough i offered to go and buy us something to eat at half time my wife's about six months pregnant now so i thought it might be the gentlemanly thing to do since i wasn't drinking anyway to go and get her a bite to eat and the line after about 13 minutes had moved about four people and it was 25 deep and there was no way I was going to miss a football to sit and grab it as overpriced stadium hot dog so I actually turned around went back inside no beer and no food so that's a bit of a mark against the venue there um, the stadium staff at the Etihad were pretty poor all in all Coming back out for the second half, and it pretty much carried on as it went, end-to-end. End. Uh, Bailey had a great chance when he rounded Willie Caballero in goal, but he hit the side netting with defenders rushing back to hopefully block it on the line. Um, he missed a, a really good chance there, though. They should have been 2-1 up. Nolito had a goal ruled out for City when he, uh, he got on the end of a really good ball and finished it off nicely, but was ruled to be just offside as the cross came in. Um, Pablo Zabaleta was really running things for City in the middle of the park. He was my man of the match. Patrick Roberts was given the man of the match by some newspapers for Celtic, and I wouldn't strongly argue against that either. I thought, for me, they were probably the two standouts in the game. Another little thing that was going on, or not a little thing, it was pretty important, was the Celtic fans I addressed earlier being in the home end. Another mark against the venue was all the stewards could see Celtic fans waving scarves, jumping for goals, cheering, etc. And it was getting pretty testy with the City fans, and they just sort of stood and watched. It wasn't until a Celtic fan, really, got into a confrontation or was grabbed that anyone got involved, and several were ejected for causing problems. General rule of thumb for any of you not familiar with football in England is you don't go in the home end, but if you do, you keep your mouth shut and you don't say a word. Um, it's pretty well fair game in most grounds, and if you celebrate a goal for the away team in the home end, you're likely to get slapped. And if you do, you can't really have much complaint. It's your own fault. Um, I know a lot of countries won't be able to identify with that and may find it barbaric, but it's pretty much the rule of thumb that away fans don't mix with home fans in England. And I... I through Europe, actually, for the most part, I find it works best. I personally hate nothing more than being sat next to someone celebrating a goal that's gone in against my team. Even when it's in my living room, I feel like slapping them. So I definitely don't like to be sat next to someone from the opposite team when possible. City fans, however, did have some humorous ways of dealing with it on the night, including singing Stand Up If You Love City and shaming all the ones that refused to stand up, obviously Celtic fans, and getting a nice England chant going, which uh, rumbled a few of the Scots in amongst the English partisan crowd for City as well. So some humorous ways of dealing with it rather than out-and-out -out violence, though a few of them did get a slap on the way out.
That'll do it for the first part of the show. That was the Champions League in a nutshell. One all, City and Celtic. An entertaining game, albeit one with nothing on the line. Um, 52,000 fans in the Etihad made some really good noise. It was an awesome atmosphere. And the Celtic fans, to their credit, um, did make some good noise, uh, just needed to be kept in their own end, which they did fill their end as well. So again, not trying to knock on Celtic fans too much. They certainly created an awesome atmosphere in the venue and overall made for a pretty pleasing viewing experience. So with that being said, let's head back to Australia here, the Gold Coast, which is about an hour and a half from me, and see what NXT Live looked like and how it stacked up against the football. NXT Live on the Gold Coast came to us from the Gold Coast Convention and Exhibition Centre next to the casino on the Gold Coast motorway. Um, small but pretty animated crowd. I would estimate it to be just under the 5,000 mark. The Gold Coast Convention Centre is not a big place and it wasn't full. There were a couple of sections towards the entrance ramp blacked out so no seats available and a scattering of empty seats throughout. But the crowd was pretty pumped and excited for the show itself. Um, when we got in there, they were playing some video clips, um, allowing fans to text and vote for a match to be shown uh, in highlights version on the screen before the show started, and it ended up being Neville against Sami Zayn. Um, so we saw some highlights of their match and got the crowd really sort of in the mood ready for the event. When we actually started the wrestling, the first match was Andrea... Uh, sorry, Cien Andrea Almas up against Tozawa, which was a bit of a surprise for me. I didn't realise Tozawa was on the on the tour, and I was quite excited to see him, especially in the opener. Um, he's got the kind of style with, with the yells and the screams as well that really gets the crowd involved, and this one was a hard-hitting match. It was back and forth, a lot of strikes, a lot of kicks, a lot of forearms. Um, a lot of hard-hitting chops, really, really good match, which Tozawa ended up taking out after, I would say, about 15 minutes with two sick-looking German suplexes, and the crowd were really up for this great match uh, to start the show. Very good. Um, reminded me quite a lot of some of the matches we saw in the Cruiserweight Classic, so I was quite impressed with the level of work put into this one. Um, a couple of dives by Tozawa in there as well. They didn't really hold anything back. It was pretty well an out-and-out -out brawl for the opener. From there, the Australia flavour came into effect when we went into the second match of the night, which was Billy Kay and Peyton Royce, both from Sydney, up against Aaliyah and Liv Morgan. Um, Billy Kay and Peyton Royce got a huge face reaction, and I leaned over and said to my wife, wait for this, they'll say something to turn on the crowd, and sure enough, um, I'm not claiming to be any rocket scientist, you all would have seen it as well, but they told the announcer after being introduced that they wished to be announced as from Orlando, Florida from now on, and got huge boos from the crowd, um, basically to get Liv Morgan and Elias and Facey, which didn't really work. Um, the most support or sort of got chance going against the heels in this match were calling for other wrestlers like Asuka or Ember Moon. Uh, Bailey as well got a bit of a chance, so it sort of worked, but not the way they wanted it to work. It was a pretty decent tag match, some good back and forth, some good cheating by the heels, um, some good sympathy built on Aaliyah, and then again on Liv Morgan later, but the heels did get over with a nice sort of almost press slam into a knee drop double team move, um, allowing Billy Kay and Peyton Royce to pick up the tag team victory on home soil. 
We went into the third match of the night and things got a little bit more interesting here. We saw a chap I haven't seen before. Um, please feel free to tell me if he's been on in recent weeks because I'm a few weeks behind on NXT, but it was One Logan up against Patrick Clark, who I do know. I decided to do what I always do when I go to these house shows in Australia, which it's been probably four or five years since I went to um, find the most hated man on the show and make that my guy. Patrick Clark obviously playing the... I would say it looks like Goldust Gold Dust had a baby with Prince, and you've got a rough idea of his character. Um, and I decided to get fully behind him. He obviously was subject to quite a few homophobic slurs and insults by the crowd, so I made sure he was my guy and had a good laugh with that. Um, Only Logan, drew his, the crowd support he got drew my ire. Um, despite living in Australia for, oh God, probably 25 years now, certain aspects of Australian culture I just cannot get my head around. Um, if you would ever talk to my wife, you should ask her about my loathing for the term Aussie battler. For anyone in Australia, you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about. But essentially, it's meant to mean, like you talk about an American living the American dream, sort of pulling yourself up by the bootlaces type thing, but it's just overused and it's basically given to anyone poor. Being poor doesn't make you a battler. I think, you know, working hard makes you a battler. And it's sort of, they confuse the two a lot. So, anywho, the point of the story is here. One Logan was receiving Aussie battler chants, which, as soon as it died down, made me chant, I hate this country. And a lot of people then that were chanting, chanted along with me singing that. So, I was just beyond confused here. Um, I'll digress because I've not actually spoken about the match. It was a pretty decent match. One Logan had a lot of Cesaro-based offense when Patrick Clark came off the top row be hit him with a European uppercut, things of that nature, um, ran at him in the corner when he was sat down and hit him with a sort of a missile European uppercut, some, some good offense. Um, he did end up getting the Duke on Patrick Clark. Wasn't the best match in the world, but it was pretty good for what it was. From there, we carried on with our third straight match involving an Australian. Uh, seems to be an abundance of them in NXT at the moment. Uh, when Buddy Murphy beat Elias Sampson. Elias Sampson got some huge heel heat trying to sing I Hate the Gold Coast, but uh, was drowned out by, first of all, people singing along with him, which threw him off. And then when he told everyone to shut up, they basically got their phones out and did the Bray Wyatt. We've got the whole world in our hands over the top of him. So uh, a bit of an interactive crowd, but they did at times get pretty smarmy. Um, they did start to get on my nerves a little bit, more so later on, but just the, the I have to yell out an insider term that has no relevance to what's going on in the match to show that I know an insider term, it annoys me. It's the worst thing about going to, to wrestling shows. Um, happened a lot with the women's match to come, the women's title match and the Bobby Roode match to come, so I'll talk about it then, but it, it happened a lot here as well. Um, did get under my skin. Buddy Murphy, surprisingly, was playing a babyface in this and had a pretty good sort of fiery babyface match, but towards the end of it, my wife was getting hungry again, so being the gentleman I am, I decided to go and get her some food. Um, I'm told Buddy Murphy did beat Elias Sampson while I was gone, but I did miss the ending of the match, so apologies there. It's here we get a strike against the Gold Coast Convention and Exhibition Centre for their hospitality as well. I've never been to an arena, a stadium, anything like that, that doesn't have a burger or a hot dog for sale. This baffled me. They essentially had chips and sausage rolls, and that was it. And I didn't feel like a, a microwave sausage roll that had been sat in a hot box for half an hour, so I didn't eat. Um, I bought my wife a sausage roll, and I bought myself a beer, which cost $11 for a Heineken, and there was still too much head on it. Not even a pint, so... This was a big strike, at least at the Etihad when I went hungry, I didn't spend any money. Here I could get a beer and a sausage roll and barely got changed for $20, so I'm not really sure which one's worse there. We'll talk about that in the wrap-up at the end. 
After that, when I got back, we business picked up a little bit. DIY were taking on Tino Sabatelli and Riddick Moss, who I missed the introduction for, so I actually had to Google who it was then. Apologies, there were only two people on the show I didn't know, so I don't consider that too bad. Um, Tino Sabatelli and Riddick Moss actually did an awesome job as heels. They were really interactive with the crowd. Um, they were getting all over everyone. The crowd tried to be smarmy with them with a we don't know you, who are you, etc. And then they would then use an insult about uh, Tino Sabatelli's football career or Tough Enough or something like that, to which whoever was on the apron would turn around and say, I thought you didn't know me or something um, to that effect and really just wound the crowd up very well. I, w I was quite impressed with them. I think they've got a future on NXT when they do start to get a bit more of a regular shot on the show. Um, the match itself was pretty good. DIY are awesome. Um, Tommaso Ciampa spent most of the time in the match. Um, they got the He sort of played the babyface in peril rather than Gargano, who normally does. He'd tag out, Gargano would come in, do a few moves, and then Ciampa inevitably would get straight back in anyway. Um, they did fire up some good double-team offense late in the match, including the sort of Gargano doing the suicide dive while Ciampa did the flying knee off the apron on the other opponent, so that was quite cool to see live. And they finished it with their double-team strike finisher as well, which was awesome to see. And they spent a lot of time with the ringside fans celebrating. We were about 10 rows back on the floor, so had great seats, but... I wasn't going to try and bump past people to go and get a handshake off any of the wrestlers. I, I did pretty much stay in my seat and take pictures, but I saw them taking selfies and signing autographs for all the kids in the front row and shaking hands and probably spent a good five minutes after the match going around just helping people in the front row get a piece of the action, so that was pretty cool. Um, from there, the next matchup was Bobby Roode, the glorious one himself, taking on Ty Dillinger. Um, before the match, we saw a, a backstage vignette with Ty Dillinger basically trading insults with the Revival, so a bit of foreshadowing that there might be some interference in this match. Ty Dillinger came out first to a big response, probably the biggest of the night so far, including any of the Australians. But then Bobby Roode came out and eclipsed it, probably double anyone else on the show. Bobby Roode was over like crazy. Um, really, really good match. It wasn't the longest match, but it was good back and forth, entertaining. It was a good house show match where it didn't stall, but they got everyone involved, lots of chanting. The only real bugbear for me was the people near me just having to scream out beer money or TNA or things like that just constantly to try and get Bobby Roode's attention or um, main event mafia, then aces and eights, and just oh, it went on and on and on. and sort of giggling and high-fiving each other and seeing who could yell the most insider thing next and it just wound me up when I'm trying to get into the match and the rest of the crowd were actually trying to sort of chant along and, and enjoy what was in front of them not talk about how much wrestling they know um I don't know you guys feel free to tweet me on this issue does it annoy you when people spend the night chanting irrelevant random insider terms at a wrestling show because for me it annoys me a little bit you know if it's relevant to something going on and it's funny, great. But the one-upmanship that comes after it with all these people that look like they've got no social skills just screaming insider terms for no reason, it does sort of take away from my enjoyment of the show. Anywho, getting on with it, uh, Bobby Roode did beat Ty Dillinger with the interference predicted when the revival came out, distracted him. Bobby Roode got the roll-up. As I said, the match wasn't the longest and it did seem like a bit of a cheap finish, but we'd sort of get a bit of logic behind that later on. And next up came a women's title defense, so the second title defense of the night. Asuka taking on Ember Moon in a really awesome hard-hitting backwards and forwards match. Lots of big strikes, lots of high-flying from Ember Moon. Um, Asuka went up top a few times as well. Both of these guys were over, but 
excuse me, but were subject to some pretty horrible abuse as well. Sections of the crowd obviously didn't appreciate women's wrestling. Um, at one point, someone called out to ask her, just yelled sushi out, which got some groans from the crowd, just a bit of blatant racism. Someone behind me really pissed me off when Asuka took a, a bump off an Ember Moon, I think a kick, I believe it was, and screamed out, Asuka, sell, which was just... A, she was selling, so if you're insider, you'd know that's exactly what she was doing, you fucking moron. And B, it oh, just ruins it for me. It, it drove me crazy. People were chanting for Ellsworth. There was a lot of disrespect in this match for what, for my money, was easily the best match on the show. But I will say in favour of the Gold Coast, and I've been slating a few of them, about 75% of the crowd recognised what was going on, and we did get a women's wrestling chant going, and this is awesome chant. Um... A few chants to sort of drown out the crap that was coming from behind us. So most of the crowd recognised what they saw as the best match and gave it the respect it deserved. It's just a shame this one took the brunt of the idiocy. Um, I don't know if people had had a few too many $11 beers, but I, I think it was just they'd not been to a wrestling show in a while and decided they had to be the cleverest one on the night. Anywho, Asuka got the duke as my dog barks in the background. Um, we had the chicken wing submission, got Ember Moon to tap out, but it was an awesome match, and Ember Moon is definitely going to be an awesome challenger for Asuka when that feud hits TV. Um, I, th I think it's going to be some big pay-per-view matches there. We then went into the main event, which was scheduled to be Shinsuke Nakamura and TM61, the returning um, Australians again, up against Ty, uh, sorry, up against the Revival and Samoa Joe. But before the match... Uh, kicked off. TM61 came to the ring after the heels were there. The three heels jumped TM61 and basically were pounding on them until Ty Dillinger ran out to make the save. After Ty Dillinger ran out, Bobby Roode ran out and they went to a four on three beatdown. And then after the heels tossed the baby faces out of the ring, Nakamura's music hit, who came out. Um, the faces cleared the ring of the heels and Ty Dillinger picked up the microphone and said that this should now be a four on four since Bobby Roode and himself had got in injected and what did the crowd think? They obviously cheered along. I was a little bit disappointed to see it become an eight man tag because Nakamura was really one of the, the top one or two guys I wanted to see on the show and I knew making it eight man was going to dilute how much he did and it turned out to be true. Nakamura wasn't in the match for very long at all, nor was Samoa Joe sadly. TM61 probably spent the most time in the match. Um, um, the Revival were in there a fair bit, as was Bobby Roode, but I kind of would have rather Bobby Roode and Ty Dillinger get an extra five minutes and the six-man go ahead as it was. It was a good match in the end, which Shinsuke Nakamura picked up the victory with the Kinshasa. Uh, he was over like crazy, including his song being sung well after it had stopped. He was probably the only one on the show more over than Bobby Roode, but even then I would say it was it's pretty close. If you'd have said to me no Roode was more over, I probably wouldn't argue with you, so... Overall, a good show. Really did enjoy it. Um, some quality matches. A couple of matches that were a little bit mad, just because they're not pushed characters on TV, I guess. So uh, the whole, they're from Australia, so then now suddenly the next coming of Stone Cold Steve Austin doesn't do it for me. But a highly enjoyable match. Uh, sorry, a night of matches. Um, this was my Christmas present from my wife, tickets to NXT. So thank you to her. Not that she'll listen to the show. No one in my family likes me, so that's why none of them listen. Um... But yeah, overall pretty good, so let's go and find out who won the uh, the battle overall. So we're going to go with our usual five-point rating system, despite the fact that they are two completely different genres. They're both live entertainment, one sport, one sports entertainment, so it's close enough that I'm going to stick to the same way as usual, with one minor change 
being as though I'm not watching on TV, I'm going to eliminate the Category 4 production value and replace it with one speaking about the venue and the facilities. So we're going to talk quickly first about the difference between watching NXT in the Gold Coast Convention and Exhibition Centre and watching the Champions League in the Etihad. Um, both of them scored low for food and staff and service. Um, couldn't get anything to eat in the Etihad without missing some of the games, so I didn't bother. I know I was on the first tier, and it is a busy area, but still pretty disappointing. Uh, the beer cost a fortune in the convention centre, and the food was almost non-existent. So I couldn't get beer in one, and I couldn't really get food in the other. Uh, I'm going to let that cancel each other out a little bit. Um, I probably would prefer to have a have a beer at both. I'm not a big drinker, but when I'm out at a live event, I like to have a beer. Um, but looking at the rest of it, the convention centre and exhibition centre was great to park in. It's a small venue. It's close to shops and things like that. So that was a plus there. The Etihad, though, had 52,000 people in it, including... Whilst I talked earlier about some of the negative aspects of having the Celtic fans in the home end, I have to say it did increase the atmosphere another notch. Um, football's a bit of a tribal sport and a little bit of antagonism, a um, little bit of rivalry. For me, it almost makes it feel that little bit more special. So I'm going to go with the Champions League and the Etihad for the venue, um, just barely, but mostly because of crowd support. It was, um, I know crowd heat is one of the categories and we'll get to that, but the atmosphere inside the, the venue as well as uh, the fact that I was crammed in with like-minded City fans made the venue a li little bit more tenable for me so that's that one there. We'll go into crowd heat since we've basically just touched on that and it's pretty obvious that 52,000 are going to out and chant four and a half, five thousand, and make it a bit more special but it's mostly the City fans were there with one common goal they wanted their team to win and this is really the advantage over sports compared to wrestling when it comes to a live crowd. Wrestling crowds will often try and be the show, outsmart the show, outsmart each other, show their friends how cool they are. Football fans want to see their team win and it's that sense of I have to have this happen that I, I think is missing from wrestling in this day and age. Um, the days gone by when the likes of Stone Cold or The Rock had the whole crowd behind them. For me, I preferred wrestling crowds like that, where everybody wanted one guy to win and it meant something. It was special, not this, let's go Cena, Cena sucks, this crowd's awesome, we are awesome, all that bullshit. I hate it. Um, feel free to disagree with me, but that's my feelings. I like the tribal aspect of a crowd and a really passionate crowd. Um, so Crowd Heat again goes to the Champions League, making them two up so far. We're going to go into characters now. Um, now, as I mentioned earlier, the Manchester City side featured several changes, so we didn't get to see the likes of Raheem Sterling, Sergio Aguero, uh, the ever-injured these days Vincent Company, which is sad that I didn't get to see him play. Um, we're also without the likes of David Silva and Kevin De Bruyne. So really, the oh, Yaya Torre is omitted from the Champions League squad. So the biggest names in the Manchester City squad were not present. Um, when it came to NXT, I think just about everyone was there. We had Nakamura, Samoa Joe, The Revival, DIY, Asuka. Um, so that was pretty much a full crew. So NXT definitely gets a nod when it comes to characters, um, purely because they didn't leave anything off. Um, and this was a live event, so they could have taken it a bit easier. But really, other than the main event, they didn't. So NXT gets a clear victory when it comes to characters.
Wasn't much to shout about when it comes to storyline from either of the two events. One being a live event, you don't really see much storylines. There was with the main event, the Bobby Roode, the Ty Dillinger interactions with the Revival, etc. So there was a little bit. The Eddie had the story was basically that it was a dead rubber and it ended in a draw. So sort of self-fulfilling prophecy there. I'm going to go with NXT on this one because I just think that the story of the game at City left it feeling a little bit less than what it could have been whereas the story that they did use at NXT were just to enhance the characters you got on the show um, so NXT gets the win there tying us up at two all before we go into the big one for this week's event and that's going to be match quality and this is a very close one to score because as I mentioned the Tozawa opener in NXT was great Asuka and Ember Moon was great um, the tag match was pretty good um, overall pretty good there the quality of the match at City um, it was open, end-to-end, -end, attacking, entertaining, even if it didn't have the biggest names on show. What let that down, obviously, was the midfield. I think not having De Bruyne and Silver in there always makes City seem a little bit more susceptible, but in a way, it almost helped the quality of the match from the neutral perspective, because it was more end-to-end, -end, more open, and City had to take more risks because they had less possession. Um, it was actually, I think, 50-50 by half-time, which n almost never happens with City playing these days. In NXT, a couple of the matches fell a little bit flat for me. I thought the main event disappointed considering the names involved. There just wasn't enough Nakamura and Joe. Um, I was getting a little bit sleepy with the jet lag by then as well, so I will apologise if some of that's my thoughts. But the likes of One Logan um, and... To a lesser extent, Aaliyah and Liv Morgan sort of disappointed a little bit for sort of who you're expecting when you think NXT I would have probably preferred one less match and longer for the main event and or Rude and, and Dillinger but overall a good experience there it's a very close one to call I'm gonna just barely go towards the Champions League as a very very slight winner um, simply because I don't want to take the cop out and say it's a tie I did enjoy both events immensely I'd certainly go back to NXT in a heartbeat and I would pack up and move to Manchester if I had a job and a season ticket there tomorrow so um, overall a thoroughly enjoyable two events for me to finish off my holiday with um, I hope you've enjoyed listening to this I will be back within a few days with the pay-per-view episode now that I'm home and my internet troubles are all sorted um, but just wanted to get something out there to you guys in the meantime I hope you enjoyed this please feel free to get in touch on Twitter you can catch us on Twitter on Facebook and on 4CR as well so check us out there and also it's been a little while since we had a review on iTunes so if anyone out there is feeling generous and wants to leave us a five-star review I would very much appreciate it um, anyone that does leave a five-star review I am gonna put the offer up for the rest of the year that if you do I will have you on the show for an interview which I've been doing with some of the regular listeners and contributors recently if anyone leaves me a five-star review and gets in touch I will hold an interview with you on one of the upcoming shows probably got six or seven upcoming planned now so I'll get you on one of those at a time that suits both of us um, other than that send us your feedback as always on Twitter and keep in touch as best you can thank you and talk to you again later this week Give me some new. Yeah. Give me some new. Yeah. Yeah. Mississippi putting it down. I'm the hottest round. I told your mother, y'all can stop me now. Listen to me now. I'm lasting 20 rounds. And if you want me, then come on, get me now. Is you with me now? The biggie, biggie bounce. I know you did the way I took my style. Holla, holla. People sing around. The people gather around. The people jump around. Get your freak on, 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 get your freak on.
people you don't know. Me and Timberland been hot 20 years ago. What the deal of yo? Now what the deal of yo? If you wanna battle me, then let me know. Hello. Got the feeling, son. Let me throw you some. People, here I come. That's what me when I'm done. We got the radio shook like we got a gun. Yes. With the crazy style. Yes.